Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Tamara Sagadevan. And me, Iris Fritchie-Cousins, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty and humor. It's time to start clutching those poles as we talk about offense. The forms it comes in, how we attempt to deal with it, and how it fits into our psyche. We hope you enjoy the podcast. So, Tamara, no offense, but... Has, has has anyone ever like critiqued your art like that or like started something about your art like that? Yeah, someone recently said something like that and I sat back and they looked at me and I said, I'm preparing to, to get offended because no offense but is always offensive in my experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's what people use as the get out of jail free card to say something offensive. It's funny. I actually haven't experienced it recently. I, the last time I remember experiencing it was in primary school where people would, you know, like bully me by saying no offense, but like you shouldn't wear your socks like that. So it's childhood trauma for me. But I think that's also why I still kind of carry it with me. So even though I don't consciously know that anybody said stuff like that to me recently, it's like when the kind of the vibe of that appears anywhere, whether it's directed towards me or towards anyone else, I really pick up on it. And yeah, it's like fucking offensive. I have heard no offense more times than I, I care to admit that I have. And as much as I take offense, I, I sometimes like the, you're going to have to excuse my dog because he's he wants to be in this podcast today too. <laughs> when people do say no offense, but it kind of gears me up to understand that the person is coming from a place of offense. And sometimes that's why I find it uh, a little bit useful. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I am an offensive person that offensive people are attracted, <laughs> attracted to me and give me their no offense but opinions. Or because when I initially meet people, I seem quite open and I don't know what the word is. You know, when somebody seems like they're, they're begging for your input, <laughs> maybe that's what I come across as. Well, when you come across as, as kind of unapologetically open and yourself, sometimes I think it gives people permission or it makes it feel as if it gives people permission to share with you honestly. It's just that I don't, some people are just not very good at sharing honestly because they make it about you and not about themselves, which actually I think that is sometimes the thing that that is the most offensive. It's not the fact that somebody's sharing an opinion with you. It's the fact that the way it's brought to you is as if it's somehow your responsibility. Whereas if somebody said it's the it's the no offense bit that is the false thing. And if they didn't say no offense, it might be less hard to take. Do you know what I mean? You're right. It might not be offensive. Maybe if they said, you know what I think or Mm, my my thoughts on that. Yes. And the other thing that you said in the one of the recent episodes we did is that it comes across as a character assassination. And I think that's why, you know, if you want to say something about my art, but you you take it into my character, it's it's very difficult, I think, to separate from that. So rather than talk about like offensive people, because obviously they're out there, they're going to continue to be out there. They're going to continue to say, like to stick their foot in their mouth uh, in different places. (laughs) How does this relate to us ourselves because obviously uh, you and I we create fairly raw ugly you know quote unquote ugly and real art and what about the part of that that feels 
I don't know, like offensive or in your face or that kind of thing. And how how it relates not just to how people might interpret it, like where somebody sees your art and goes like, oh, that's offensive to me. Like, oh, the, the mm. eyes are blocked out or bleeding or like there's poo or, or that kind of thing, you know, where somebody else says it's offensive. But how what is your own relationship to kind of like the offensive content in your own art? When it comes to anything that's fecal and butt related, I struggle to find it offensive because to me, it's just so like deeply ingrained. I like those things. I find it hilarious. Somebody says it's a bit crude. I'm just like, you have a butt too. But the Mm -hmm. part that gets me a little bit is when I depict fat bodies. Oh, yeah. The feedback that I've gotten on that is, why would you, why would you draw somebody that looks like that? And I'm like, bitch, I look like that. That kind of Mm -hmm. gets me riled up. And the, the reason why it upsets me, and I might not be answering your question, I'm just justifying why I'm getting upset, mm. is because it feels like already that I don't really have a right to exist because by existing and existing comfortably, I make a lot of things not make sense. You have to hate your body, yes. especially if you look like me. Yes. When you're fat, you have to want to be thin. Exactly. You have to be a good like, fatty. Yeah? yeah. So that's yeah. that's what it is. If someone sees me eating a salad, they'll feel so much more empathetic towards me versus if they see me eating fries. It's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And what I got from, from that reaction is I'm not allowed to exist as I am here and neither is my art allowed to exist as it is out there. So neither in my physical realm or in this fantastical realm am I allowed to exist. And I think that's what kind of offended me about somebody else's offense mm. with you how do you how do you handle someone's reaction to saying like why somebody's eye look punched out i've not experienced a lot of people who got offended i guess but i do get people who don't really understand or who misunderstand so i ha- once ha- uh, posted something where there was like a kind of dark shading around an eye mm-hmm. and i make art very intuitively It's very much about feelings. I can honestly say that most of my art is never about a specific experience. If people look at my art and they think, oh, it's about abuse or, oh, it's about domestic violence, it simply isn't for me. But obviously, if somebody sees that and connects with that aspect of it, then I welcome that because I I feel like if somebody sees something in my art that connects them to a part, even if it's a painful part in themselves, that's, you know, that's success. But that doesn't mean that they can then attribute it to me or my art, if that makes sense. I I hope that makes sense. But so someone saw my, uh, that art piece and they said, oh, um, it was, it was in a different language. So I'm like translating, but like, oh, uh, a battered woman, no thanks. And I was like, well, first of all, that wasn't what I was representing. But second of all, wow, what a judgment of something that is potentially like, you know, exposing or useful or like emotive, you know? And it it really took me aback. And I, I remember the, the comment I wrote in response was quite defensive because I'm a very defensive person. I feel attacked very easily. It was like, oh, well, that's not what I intended when I painted it. But you know, anybody's free to have their own interpretation of my work. I don't know. It just took me aback. I mean, yeah, the strong reaction was just, it belonged to that person and not to me, but it felt as if it was like an indictment of me and my art. I feel offended on so many levels here (laughs) (laughs) because a battered woman, no thanks. Like what the hell? Yeah. Like no sympathy, empathy, or like, and 
I don't know. Yeah, that that one was hard. And then the thing I think that offends me most, and it doesn't happen so much anymore, but I can, I, I'm like, like digging through my brain now <laughs> thinking of like all the offensive things that people have said to me or like the things that have made me feel offended because sometimes somebody says something offensive and sometimes you feel offended and they don't necessarily need to be related. Someone can say something offensive and you take no offense. You can just shrug your shoulders. Yeah. Sometimes somebody says something that isn't actually offensive, but you feel offended. So I, I think that you know the causation correlation etc it's not necessarily a straight line but in any case because you know my art's very emotive and some people they don't want that in their life and I once did something where people were crying there was tears and stuff and this person commented saying well I hope they're only crying because of the bad weather <laughs> <laughs> basically a beacon saying i'm uncomfortable with feelings <laughs> and that that offends me it doesn't offend me because of the comment itself it offends me because on two levels uh, one is you're missing the point of my art my art is emotive like oh my god if you're not there for the emotive part of my art then like i i, I don't know like why why are you there and then the second thing is uh, for me it's been such a journey and a fight to reclaim the space yeah. for my emotions and for the raw emotions, the ones that are not accepted or welcomed or understood or allowed to exist really. And so that's been such a fight so that when somebody says something that is the complete antithesis to that, basically saying, Iris, your feelings are um, shouldn't exist. They, uh, you know, like, oh, well, have them, but don't bother us with them. Don't put them in your art. That makes me uncomfortable. That then it, it kind of, it really pushes a pain point for me. It's like, this is what I felt, fought so hard for. Like, I don't want to hear this. I want you to welcome me and my complex feelings. It's it's a very unique way of saying be positive, yeah? It's the be positive brigade, right? And I think that especially you and me, and we already touched upon it in the other episode where we talked about like paint birds and flowers if you want to paint birds and flowers. But I think it's kind of clear that you and I, most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, we don't want to paint birds and flowers. We don't want to paint pretty. We don't want to paint palatable. We're here dealing with our shit and that invariably either purposefully or subconsciously comes out in our art. So how does it work specifically for people like us who are not ever setting out to be part or to to pander to the Be Positive Brigade? I feel like the theme of all of these uh, episodes have been defining definition, your outlook and things. Yeah. And I think with this one here, if you're, you're purposely setting out and, and pander is a strong word, and also a strong animal. <laughs> but <laughs> I think when you make your art and it's raw and it's ugly, you just have to be prepared that somebody's going to take offense. And I'm not saying expect it, because I really do believe when you expect things, it comes. Mm. But I'm just saying be prepared and, and understand that maybe it's one of the symptoms or one of the, the things that will come along with you doing this raw and real art because we of the way we have been conditioned to be. I used to be a part of the positive brigade, just like, oh, you know, it could be worse. But I had to do that in order to get through my life. And I think because I come from that, sometimes I can understand that someone else feels that way. But I also don't know how it's an invite when we make our art to come and be that way. That's, that's what I see more often these days. I can more quickly go to the, 
oh, so in your life, there's no room for these feelings and my peace triggers that painful part in you so that I, I, I get to that thought more quickly rather than the, oh my God, how dare you mm. talk about my art like this? But when I said about pandering earlier, I don't know if I meant like people who sit down or and and pander. I, I think it's more about that subconscious drive of like, I want to be liked. I don't want to give offense. And especially as women, you know, for us to be offensive is like a deadly sin almost. Yeah. And also specifically what you said earlier about your about bodies and fat bodies. It's like, it's almost like it's seen as offensive to just exist as a fat woman. Whereas I think the, the leeway for men to be offensive, to to swear, to be to be stinky, those kind of things. There's there's much more leeway. I'm not saying that men don't experience uh, negative aspects of it, or that there isn't like a you know a, yeah, a of time when they do. that doesn't exist. But like you know, sliding scales, like different yardsticks. Again, I don't know. Maybe I just speak about things that are mostly my experience, and like, like being in a fat body. Don't is we one all? Of them. <laughs> yeah. But there's a thing I really like because I have experienced it so many damn times in my life, which is. A woman simultaneously exists as hey sexy or fat bitch. Yeah. It's when she gives that, uh, either when she says, oh, hi, or when she says, like, get lost, then she's yeah. fat bitch. When she exists for the male gaze, then she's hey sexy. And when she doesn't, she's fat bitch. So that's kind of interesting because I don't really think... I mean, I'm not saying they don't, but I'm not sure that men have the same experience, you know. Because they don't particularly exist for the gaze of others. Poor men. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think what you're saying also makes me personally, I don't even mean globally, I just mean personally, it makes me go like, oh, I actually really want to be so much more conscious about the bodies that I draw and paint. And I don't draw or paint a lot of bodies, like it's mostly faces, but I do want to move more into that kind of arena. And it makes me very kind of like interested in exploring the curves, basically. <laughs> and it makes me think also specifically of artists who are doing this. And two people come to mind. One is Emma Pettit. Yeah. She does uh, amazing art of these really uh, curvy women, but also kind of like slightly, what do you call that? Like when, when certain uh, features are amplified and other features are reduced? I, I don't know if the word is distended. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why you apply that word. Her art is amazing and necessary, I think, as well. Like, it's like, I, I feel like that's what we should see. And then also, there's another artist that I follow on Instagram. She's called Naomi Jane. She's a uh, she's British artist who is a um, uh, like she's had a mastectomy, and she does uh, a lot of her art based around women's bodies with how they really look, including scars. And it's kind of like, I think it's a little bit of a mission of her, of hers to paint things or, or people, their bodies, the way they really are. So like scars and folds and fat and was it colostomy bags and just the things that are to do with real life and real lived experiences and real bodies. And yeah, I really like her art and I think it's just so important. Like I can't say for myself that I am a kind of like, person like that who would want to explore things kind of from that point of view because my art is just com I'm I'm coming at my art completely 
differently, if that makes sense. But I love the fact that these two women are doing that kind of art because it teaches me. When you mentioned these two artists, um, another one comes to mind, um, an entire story, actually. Her name is Catherine Hack, and she paints fat bodies. And it was the first painting of a modern fat body that I saw. It was whimsical. What hit me was that this body looked like mine. And I was like, what the hell? I've never seen, and I'm not kidding, a body that looked like mine. But I was more interested in where did she get this idea from the body? Was she spying on me? Mm -hmm. But it turns out she, she has a certain diagnosis. And because of her art, I went and I got my diagnosis. And my life since I got that diagnosis has been so much better in terms of my mental health mm. and everything that follows. Like I now have empathy for my body and I understand where it's coming from versus hatred. It's been a long journey to get here. Mm. You know, I think that's something that should encourage people. If she never had the courage to make her art the way she wanted to, mm -hmm. I would not have been living mm. this better life. I think that's also the importance. And I went in there expecting to see also, you know, people offended. Mm. And it, it's kind of maybe a little bit what also pushed me to go and examine it. But I also wanted to see like if she was fine with me. <laughs> But so you're to you're talking about representation, which we've touched upon before, and how important it is. Because when you enjoy certain privileges, you tend to be blind to having those privileges, and you're blind to the people who don't have those privileges because you kind of assume that everybody does. And then, you know, this is how people can pretend that racism doesn't exist. It's kind of like you know, because it, it, oh, if I don't experience it, then it doesn't exist. And it's the same with all these other things. And representation, therefore, is so important yeah. to see yourself represented, for other people to see you represented. Um, and I do feel like in this kind of whimsical mixed media world, and I really want to, to preface and caveat this by saying this is not a judgment. I want to just point it out. I want to kindly and you know, I want to be the kind, understanding parent who also wants to point out the truth kind of thing, <laughs> that this whimsical mixed media world, there's a lot of skinny, doll-like figures, mm. unblemished skin. And also partly that is because those shapes tend to be for people who come at it with no art education, yes. no life drawing experience, anything like that, those are the shapes that are easiest to create. Those are the shapes that are easiest to template. And then also the psychological aspect, those are the, the shapes that are most attractive that you might, even if you don't have that body, it's the body that, you know, you might want to represent in your art. And I think it is much more of a conscious choice to say, oh, I'm going to explore the curves and the blemishes and the, you know, like how does how does the line like underneath the underneath the bum go when it's like a little bit fat and stuff like that? Like what's the squiggly line, you know? It goes out. Then it goes in. <laughs> um, which is much more interesting, but it's also more intimidating even if we're just talking from a technical point of view. So it's understandable. But like for me, talking about this really makes me curious and excited that when I start drawing and painting bodies that I'm going to like specifically look for, you know, a range of bodies to represent. Do we have any tips or advice for people? Your look right now, like... <laughs> Are you asking me? Look, I've only really been taken out for... I don't know, what is it, taken for a six, to use some cricket lingo, uh, when family members expressed a strong opinion about my art. And 
I, I feel like I'm not qualified to give advice here, but I can tell you what I did. And that was just sitting down and asking myself the question whether I could be comfortable not painting the things that I've painted and whether I could protect myself from every single opinion in the world. And once I came to the obvious answer, which was, no, I cannot live without painting the stuff I want to. And of course, I cannot guard myself from any opinion in the world kind of became easier to to stomach it. And you said this thing about coming to that understanding quickly, that people, it's it's something like within them. Sometimes I don't have that understanding as quick as I would like, because I feel we all have internet and we have education and we should be able to understand people come from different perspectives. But in the same then token or basket, I should be able to do the same thing. I want your advice though, because you give good advice, even though you don't like giving it. I think that, for me, it's a lot about realizing when I'm filtering myself, it's almost like when a change occurs, not because somebody is offended, but because I am anticipating somebody being offended or I'm anticipating somebody offending me. And I feel like, oh, I have so much more dark and raw and weird art in me that just has a really difficult time coming out. And I can't like, I can't put the responsibility for that with other people. Yeah, sure. I feel intimidated. Sure. I'm afraid of what other people say, but I think that it's like, it's just like hitching a ride on something that's already inside me. It's me myself who might be scared or offended or have a reaction. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. I mean, I have no conscious knowledge of this, but I think that's the the reason that the more raw, more graphic art goes and hides very deep inside me and doesn't really come out. Because I do feel like that there's still very much, you can see in my art, a push-pull between wanting to embrace the rawness and also there's so much stuff in there that's still pretty. And I, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's not, it's not like I want to make less pretty art, but I want to be sure that when I make pretty art, it's really because I want to and not because I'm avoiding something else. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's still a kind of a dialogue that's happening. Something that you said about like the internet, it also made me think about like, don't seek it out. There are so many things in life on the internet to reinforce how we already feel. If I feel like I live in a world where feelings are not allowed, then I could go and look that, I could seek that out. Mm. I could seek out all the people who reinforce that opinion. I could seek out all the art that reinforces that opinion. So my advice really would be realize when you're seeking that out, realize when you are finding people, places, things that confirm your worst world view, and then give yourself the permission to opt out of that. Don't feed on the bad stuff. Either feed on the good stuff or maybe like cut yourself off from the bad stuff so that you know you can make the art that you want to make and don't feel influenced by these kind of like outside influences or in whatever kind of way that's possible because I'm also aware that it's not always possible. Oh yep, like use the internet response responsibly. Mm. The way I use it is definitely I'm sure as you've noticed, I always assume I'm the one whose mic isn't plugged in. So <laughs> I use it from that perspective. Why is this person upset or angry with me and how I can understand them? But mm. don't use it to say why is my cousin an idiot? Because you will find five thousand pages that mm. confirm why she is. The 
thing that I also wanted to say is I'm in a group that I've kind of unfollowed, which is like mansplain me harder. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's great. But at some point I was just like, oh, all this is is confirming what I already know. I need to really snooze this because I'm getting really upset. That's why I I don't go on Twitter unless I want to rage. Like if I want a good dose of rage, then I will go on Twitter. But other than that, I will avoid it. So it's kind of like all of the things are just always going on everywhere. Yeah, it is up to you to opt out of that because it will go on regardless of whether you put your time and mental space into it or not. And it will give you the fuel either to offend or to find offense. The one thing you said that I just want to like reiterate, which really like struck a chord with me is that when you don't do it, you put the responsibility on other people. When you don't make what you want because you feel that other people are going to be offended or whatever. And I really like that because I like to hold control and responsibility mostly within myself. And I don't want other people to be responsible for my outputs. And I think you're quite... You're quite good at that, I think. Like, yeah, I with really art. see you. Yeah, I see you with art, really. But not with anything else. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a start. Like, you can practice with art and then get better at it in other areas of life. I think Flora Boli, she says, like, practice being brave in art and then it can, like, trickle, disperse into the, your other areas of life. No, but I think you're quite good at that with your art. You seem to really be sticking like so close to your own center with with regards to the art that you make and like how do you do that well as i've said before i had a fantastic art coach can we stop talking about your art coach she sounds really annoying like no she was awesome <laughs> i just i think i was so desperate to do it for so very long i shame i feel a bit terrible because I know maybe somebody that I used to work with might listen to this and feel like, were we such dickheads? Yes, you were. But, and also, I was very suppressed. I had started suppressing a lot of things because it just seemed easier to suppress than it was to fight. I had lost fights. And I think I was so desperate when I finally reached this moment where I had like left everything and I wanted to no longer paint. Like I remember struggling to paint a really pretty girl with a fox. You said, oh, I'm doing art coaching. And I was like, Jesus is a sign from the universe because I love this person. And I was so desperate for that permission and to get it. So when you gave it to me, then I just went wild. But I just valued your opinion as an artist and as a person because I felt like I knew who you were and I still value it. And that's why it was easy for me because I think I was so desperate. And then the second part, which again, I'm like a broken record is, I don't know, Iris, I might kick the bucket today and I would be so much happier if I painted that ass with a flower coming out of it Versus if I did something else. And that's kind of my thing all the time. I just really want to just be happy and not this toxic positivity happy. Like happy because I just kind of expressed myself. It's very painful being suppressed for a long time, especially when you have a big mouth and a lot of words, which is another thing that I find offensive. Tell me you have a big mouth. Don't be sassy and stop being hysterical. Oh, I love the hysterical part of you. And by by that, I mean the hysterically funny <laughs> part of you. You're talking about nurturing the quite close connection within yourself of what it is that you really want to paint and express and to not really let yourself be swayed from that by outside voices or outside voices that masquerade as inside voices or inside voices that masquerade as outside voices. And also you're saying that you basically had a well of these ideas inside you and you were just 
waiting for a little bit of permission, me to say, yes, paint that butt. And another thing I want to add, if anybody just wants to, I journal a lot. Like that's just indispensable. And I ask myself these like thought experiments. If I never got a single like ever again, or in, like everybody said something negative, like I never got a, a single piece of praise again in my life, would I still paint the stuff that I paint? And yes, it would be hard. We all want to be witnessed, right? We want to be validated. We don't want to hurt and offend people. But I like painting, but so mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to do it. And I think when you kind of write that stuff out and you realize the worst case scenario, like my mom's going to say I'm absolutely disrespectful. Um, that's like would be a hard thing for me to, to stomach. And then it's like, yeah, but mom, you know, you also blah, 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 blah. And you do that that thought experiment and I, it's so free for me it's mm. free and that's how I, I get to the next step and that's how you get yeah and that's how you get to the knowledge of this is what I want to paint and I also think it's like you can I said don't seek out the bad stuff but then also the reverse is true seek out the good stuff seek out the people who celebrate your art and yeah. your expression who literally just want you to be more of yourself who every time you do something that is either in aid of being more yourself or is searching for being more yourself who are like cheering you on and having those types of people around you is you know it's huge and those types of people it's disappointing when those people are not the people that you want them to be as in like if the people yeah. that you have are not those people as in like if your partner or your family are the naysayers that is so so painful and it takes a little while to be able to say and to be able to accept okay they are not my cheerleaders um and it's 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 so painful to have to kind of like accept that because you want them to be your cheerleaders but you've got to go and find the people who can be your actual cheerleaders if those people around you are not i i don't really have experience like in the closest people not being my cheer i'm very lucky and privileged and you're talking about it, it makes me feel really sad because i don't know how i would handle that i mean i would journal about it but it doesn't mean that I, it would be easy i call it my a team uh find yourself a good a team yeah and it doesn't have to be humongous it can just be two people or just one person. I think that's integral to, to anybody doing what they want. Yeah. And also when you're not like, when you're still at the starting out bits, when you haven't really, when you're insecure and stuff, it can sometimes be just one person and it can become more people as you grow in confidence. But sometimes it's just the one person. For me, it was my, my best friend, Marika. She was my cheerleader for I mean, and still is for years and for years, it was just her. It wasn't anybody else. And I think that was, you know, that was so important. That was so important. Be the change you want to see in the world. If you have somebody that's looking up to you or wants your advice, obviously within reason, you don't have to be everybody's A team. Be the cheerleader that Marika was to you. That, yes. That, you know, be the same thing to other people. And I think that's that's so cool as well, because I think when I first started dipping my toe into the water of expressive art, art that was based around my own kind of emotions and stuff, darker art, raw, quirky art, I think I was very much like, oh, is this okay? I was very insecure. I was very much looking for validation. And 
now, these days, I'm much more unapologetic about it. And I am much more able to say to other people who might feel the way I used to feel like, yeah, just, you know, like you're allowed to make this art. That is literally a good reason for making art. And I think that being able to go through that change and come to where I am now having come from being so insecure and I'm still insecure. I mean, I just like caveat the hell out of this because I am still insecure. I still want validation and stuff, but I also have another part of me that feels unapologetic and confident in a way that I didn't feel then. And the fact that that's changed and that it's just, yeah, it's magical. It's really cool. And you've also passed that energy on, yeah? That cheerleading that Marika gave you, you've now given to someone else. And yeah, and I do hope, like, especially else. in my vlogs, I, I I try to kind of give permission. Like, I try to lead by example. Like, I'm going to talk about being depressed or I'm going to talk about anxiety or um, the paralyzing fear of doing something new because I feel like if I feel that, I used to feel like, nobody felt like me. It was so isolating. Like that was like my childhood and my teenagehood and lots of my twenties. Like nobody feels this way. I'm weird. Um, nobody wants to know about how I feel because nobody else, you know, feels this crap or whatever. And then when you realize that people do, and then you start sharing it and then people go like, oh, wow, you know, uh, thanks for putting that out there. It's like, oh, wow, so we can connect over this. Like other people are like this too. And I think that's just, that's really cool. Um, not to take away from the, the depth of what you said, something that I really liked seeing in your vlogs is you doing household duties because I still have a bit of a problem with the narrative that that holds for me in my culture and community. Yeah? And when I saw you doing it and you were also doing your full-time job and being an artist, that was really freeing for me. And I think that was a good example. And I don't know if it's something you even view as setting like a good example. It's not just about you talking about raw art and sharing your feelings. It's also just literally showing yourself being a nice mom, riding a bicycle <laughs> and also doing housework. I have to say that the housework is purely selfish rather than like setting a good example. I use vlogging <laughs> in order to do stuff that I know I should do, but otherwise wouldn't do. And when I switch on the camera, when I'm vacuuming or doing something, I kind of feel like it motivates me and it helps me feel like validated. Whereas if I do it without that, it feels like so useless that I don't even do it. So that's that's the function of vlogging okay. laundry or vacuuming or whatever well on my side it kind of made me more comfortable with the and it's not even duality just the multifaceted roles that i have as a person in this particular household mm. i have a non-art related question but it's still related to no offense and mm. it's about filtering yourself and I don't filter my art here, but I filter the way I speak. And I, I try quite often. That's why I'm explaining and justifying. Mm -hmm. And you can hear I don't have a good attitude towards it. But I feel like you're unfiltered. And I don't know if it's because you've had a lot of practice talking <laughs> or a lot of practice thinking. But what would you say to someone like me who is always kind of second guessing what they want to say because it's not necessarily that I, I, want, I don't want to cause offense, but I also don't want to come across as a Twat. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good point. And I don't 
necessarily think I'm that good at it. But I think one thing is, that's really important is being comfortable when you're talking to someone. So when I'm talking to you, I'm feeling really comfortable. So my real self and my real thoughts can come out much more easily. If I was talking to someone who I feel judged by or who I feel is trying to catch me out or who I feel is like kind of secretly folded arms disagreeing with me, I will be, I will stutter. I will start justifying myself. I will like talk too much, like rather than talking because you've got something to say, I will be talking in order to change that person's opinion of me. So it's really about cultivating those people and those spaces in which you can be yourself unfiltered. And also sometimes you succeed and sometimes you don't. When I vlog, some days things come out really easily. They come out really truthfully. I don't say uh a lot. I'm not really in that brain mode where I am anticipating or expecting someone to be judging me. And then other times, especially when I'm sharing stuff that I feel more vulnerable about or more defensive about, it's much harder. So yeah, it's practice, practice, just practice. (laughs) (laughs) I am definitely comfortable with you. I think sometimes I still have this bit of a teacher, teacher's pet thing. And I I want you to know that I'm impressive and I'm Mm -hmm. a good egg. But this part about catch me out, it just resonated again, strongly inside of me. I did not realize that, that I become that way when I feel that people want to catch me out. Often we're not really talking to the person that we're talking to. Often we're talking to the person that we think we're talking to, or we're talking to the person who thinks something of us, you know, like, so there's lots of different layers. So, um, and I think that's sometimes also why people avoid people, because if you avoid people, then you can kind of avoid what other people are thinking of you. Whereas when you are in conversation with someone, or when you're especially putting yourself out there on the internet, you're like, you know, you're putting yourself out there for potentially anyone to listen to you, judge you, think something of you. And that can be very influential on what you think and say. And I think we can't even separate it. Like, I feel like, okay, I have practiced at talking, but I cannot separate what I think and what I say from you know, being influenced by other people and what I think they will think of me. I cannot separate those those things. This is a very like proper, nice philosophical question. Mm. It would also go to that maybe when you speak that you're actually trying to control what other people oh. think about you. Mm. Absolutely, yes. I mean, just trying to impress someone is trying to control. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's very interesting. And actually being aware of it, being aware, but being kindly aware, okay? Right? Like rather than like, oh, you know, we're all trying to control the other person that we're talking to. No, I mean it in a much more kindly way. Like we are subconsciously occupied with what other people think of us, even if we're not consciously occupied with it. So just being aware of the fact that that is going on, that is an undercurrent, that is something that happens. It makes you more aware of it. And it, I think it can bring you closer to yourself. Yeah. And we're yeah. designed also to want acceptance and yeah. validation because we are designed to live together in tribes mm. and hunt together. Mm. So just blame your... And not kill each other as well or be killed. Mm, yeah. Sometimes. no but that's why you want to be agreeable that's why you want someone to like you because because someone not liking you on some level feels like being physically attacked even if it is just a mental thing being ostracized yeah Um, that's why it's so painful and i think not being liked is a part of that entire action that's the bigger action but that's where it starts from right people don't like me they feel i'm irritating they don't love me and then whoops cut off no food for you yeah bye 
We're so driven by those things and we can forget. Offense, being offended, taking offense, offending someone else, someone being offensive, all of those things. Like it comes, it comes back to that same thing, doesn't it? It comes back to the yeah. driving forces that we're not necessarily aware of and like becoming more aware of them. Well, like I said, then you can, you can see where that person's coming from and you can also see where you're coming from when you're offended. Yeah. And when you are offended or someone offends you, it doesn't mean that you have to draw like this big chasm. You don't yeah. have to create a big divide between the two of you and hate the person forever. Yeah. You don't have to draw a divide or you don't have to draw your sword either. Yeah. And also, you don't just have to accept it too. You don't have to just say, oh, I'm offended, but everybody has different perspectives. I love you. Hugs and kisses. Yeah. You can say, you know what? You're a bit of a peep. And yeah, I've said that, that someone who was offended by my swearing, and I swear so little, like this podcast is with the most swearing that I've done. <laughs> and it's like, I should, I should go back through the episodes now and like count them. Like it's probably only like four or five times. But anyway, somebody else can do that. Um, like put in a little ding every time. Iris swears. But no, so the person who was offended by me swearing in a YouTube video, I just said like, well, you know, my videos are just not for you then. Why didn't you just say F off? Yeah, I should have just told her to fuck off. That's true. Actually, that would have been that, that would have been very good. Also childish. <laughs> yeah, very childish. I don't want to be unreasonable and I don't want to be seen to be unreasonable either. So like try and separate those two things. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I haven't got it figured out. Like, pff, you know, the right response. I don't know. You say you haven't got it figured out and that quickly like, you're stirring so much in me. Put that spoon <laughs> down. This is the last episode of the season. Yeah. Yes. And I had huge anxiety at 3am this morning that I, number one, am cringe AF. And then the other thing is that in three months, all of my opinions are going to change and people are going to call me out on it. And they're going to be like, but you said in episode number Oh, three, yeah. I, I have the same, I have a similar fear, actually. That's why I never share opinions because I'm always like, I can only share an opinion if I'm super extra sure that I'm going to have this opinion forevermore and will die, you know, fight to the death to defend this opinion. And other than that, I'm not allowed to say anything. That's what I often feel like. <laughs> we're giving our opinions and we're offending people. I hope yeah. we offended a lot of you. Six oh, episodes, no. if you're not offended... Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. Like, I'm still too scared of, of like anybody having listened to this being offended by something <laughs> I said. Like, that's like, oh, I, I feel so uncomfortable with that. Like, I don't take anything back. And I think actually that makes me think of what you said. Like, when, when I talk, like, I don't seem to be that influenced by what people think of me. But I think that's also because I try to not be too like defensive and caveaty because when I see other people doing it, people who I have good feelings towards, I'm always like, no, no girl, you don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to go back on what you said. You don't need to say, you don't need to apologize for like, you know, the background noise. I apologize <laughs> for the background noise all the time in my vlogs. Oh my God, it's so tedious. So it's like... <laughs> I try to apologize less, less apology. I don't mean apologizing when you've offended someone and you, you know, you're apologizing for some hurt that you've caused, but like me having background noise in my videos, that is not hurt I've caused to anyone. Exactly. So less apology for existing. <laughs> yeah. No, I also have this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry kind of disease, but yeah, yeah. this validation and explaining where I come from, it's like, I had to do that to be heard. And now it's so deeply ingrained. And now that I deal with different people, 
look at me quizzically when I'm explaining something, then it makes me think. Just like how when I used to say like derogatory things about myself to you, you would look at me like, what are you talking about? That kind of really changed the way I speak to strangers. I don't try to, what's the word when you when you try to put yourself down? Self-deprecate before other people put me down. I don't know why I feel like you're going to get like a message, you know, like somebody's, I don't know if anybody's ever done that to your mom. Like they send a letter about how your kid's really shit and messing up their kid. And I feel like Andrew is going to get letters. Oh, Iris is hanging out with us Tamara, you know, and she's offensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> not because he's your, not because he's your not husband. Not because he's my mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah. No, I mean, I choose my own friends, luckily. So, um, yeah. <laughs> You're stuck with me. I just, every time you say we're friends, I get really shy. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I think that's quite a good time to yeah. wrap up. We need to get the hell out of here. Wow. If you have listened to all six episodes, um, Thank you. I hope you're okay. Um, that's me being a bit self-deprecating, isn't it? Okay, so um, it's been so good to do this first season of six episodes of Not A Real Artist. Thank you so much for listening. Tamara, mm -hmm. thank you for letting me talk to you and at you and ask you questions. I don't know about you, but I hope you're going to be up for another season. <laughs> Dude, I was putting this this poof here to sit down and I was feeling so nervous because I felt like it's a date. And yeah. I don't want to say at first that like, Iris, I want to go out with you again because I'm so scared <laughs> of being rejected by you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to really wait for her to say, oh, Tam, do you want to do another season? And I'm going to be like, yeah, sure, Iris. You know, I'm so cool. <laughs> You're going to be so cool. Like, mm, <laughs> let me check my diary. Then let me try again. <laughs> um, Iris. Uh, yeah, I guess I can squeeze you in for another season. Okay, good. Let's do it. <laughs> well, so, and if you've uh, listened to all these six episodes, if you haven't, by the way, if you've only listened to this one or like a couple, go back and listen to the other ones. Then uh, do all the things that podcasts ask you to do, like rate, subscribe. The thing is, it's like I have a, a shameful admission. Like I've never done the things that podcasts ask you to do. Well, I've subscribed to podcasts before. So do that. At least like if Iris can, can press the subscribe button, so can you. So do that. And then maybe write a comment, tell your friends about it. Like post something on Instagram saying like, oh, I made amazing art whilst I was listening to Tamara and Iris yak about art and other stuff. Um, and that would be a great endorsement. And we would be very grateful for that. Yes, we would. Um, and I think, you know, we will see you, hear you, something you in the next uh, season. Uh, for now, we'll say thank you and good night. <laughs> And let's share the key takeaways of this episode with you now. One, if we try prefacing our feedback and comments with I think and I feel versus no offense, we might come across as less offensive. Two, courage to potentially offend in your art can open up doors for other people to discover more about their art and themselves. 3. Get yourself a team of cheerleaders, your A-team, and be a cheerleader to a select few too. 4. Cultivate spaces where you can speak freely. 
And don't let people's offense overshadow the work you've done to be unfaltered. 5. If you're worried about being offensive in your art, check. Can you truly be satisfied with not painting what you want? Can you protect yourself from every offended person in the world? 6. Is there an unconscious aspect inside you, offended and reluctant about what you want to paint? And don't seek out offense.